It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off of your first order. On today's show, I'll be discussing how the Disney plan directly impacts the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I. LES. And so yesterday we talked all about the Disney plan itself. And today it's time to look at how that Disney plan translates to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Tomorrow we will talk with Keith Smith, who broke this story. And that's going to be very interesting. You're going to come back tomorrow to hear that interview with Keith Smith. But let's break down what the Disney plan means for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's start with a bit of overall NBA news, which actually does tie into Oklahoma City, is that Keith Smith and Brian Winhorst both put out there today that they're hearing that the NBA could possibly seed the playoffs 1 through 16, regardless of conferences, and in that case, Oklahoma City would play Miami. And then they'd get the Bucks in round two instead of the Lakers in round two. And I look at this decision that the NBA could make, and again, Most of this is is speculatory. However, I do take these plans more seriously because this is a sport in the NBA. This is an organization that doesn't let things leak out. Like you see baseball, for example. If you've been following what's happening in, in the MLB, they've had 16 plans from the time spring training was canceled until now. They've had 16 different plans of how they were going to play baseball. Basketball has reserved that. They, they, they've stayed to themselves until this last week, and that's what makes this you know, Disney plan have more credence, is that it's the only plan we've ever heard of from the NBA. They've been saying all along, we're going to wait as long as possible to make a decision that is best for this league, that is most informed and with the most information of this virus that we have for the NBA. So this Disney plan, I think, is going to happen. It's a matter of working out these details, such as the playoffs and the seeding. So there's two ways you can go with this. You can look at it and say, listen, it's it's 1 through 16, something that fans have wanted for a long time. Media members also want that. It's something that could be beneficial to the NBA. And what better season than now to test it out? Or you can say, listen, this season is going to have an asterisk next to it. And we can't control that. The bottom line is, Two or three months were spent not playing basketball, and we're asking these teams to revamp in July. What we can do, though, is control the asterisks. We can control how big of an asterisk is put next to 2020. We can control the size of it. If we do these playoffs, you know, the play-in tournament, if we do the 1 through 16, no conferences, we've enlarged that asterisk. We've moved the font from 12 to 14. And you can say, look, 
what better time than now to test all of this out? And I would say in this case, in regards to 1 through 16 seating, no east, no west, we're not getting a representation of how it could actually work because we're not traveling. That's the biggest question in all of this. That's why you have conferences to begin with, is to limit travel and to manage travel. The, the conferences, the, the divisions, the conferences, that's all arbitrary. But it's based on travel. And so when you take travel away, and everyone's in the same bubble of, of Disney World, it truly doesn't matter who you play and when you play them. Because you're literally all in the same campus environment. So again, the hurdle for 1 through 16 isn't, you know, east-west base. It's, it's more about travel. And when you're not traveling, we're not getting an accurate representation of if this plan can work or not. And I think it could work logistically. I mean, travel is nothing nowadays compared to what it was back in the 90s and 80s and, you know, even earlier than that, obviously. I mean, you look at even just this year. If, if we would have kept this season normal the Lakers had to go to Memphis. Is it really backbreaking for them to go to New York instead or to go to Orlando instead? I, I don't think so. Or Brooklyn instead. I, I don't think that that would be backbreaking for the Lakers. But again, we don't get that accurate test because we're not traveling. How, you know, the players could see it differently. The players could say, yeah, we have these jets, but it's still not sleeping in your own bed. It's still traveling unnecessarily. It's still more miles. You know, even Again, even going to Memphis, it would be more miles going to an Eastern Conference team. So I, I can do without the 1 through 16 seating. And it doesn't help. I'll, I'll be honest that the Oklahoma City Thunder would get matched up with Miami in this scenario. Uh, but I, I can do without it because, again, with the play-ins, okay. I hate it personally. If you listened yesterday, you know that. But... The plans will be the plans. Will, the, will be the plans. The question with one through sixteen is not if it would work. It's not if it would be entertaining. It's not if it would be something you want to keep around. The only question, the only thing stopping you from going ahead and, and seating it one through sixteen, is the fact that hey, the travel. That's the only thing. We know it would be entertaining. Oklahoma City and Miami is by far more entertaining than Oklahoma City Utah. Just to use that small example, it's by far more entertaining. So, I I love one through sixteen in general, and again, if the if the three best teams in the NBA are in the Western Conference, they shouldn't be penalized for just being in the conference. So, in general, I do like one through sixteen. The thing is, though, is again controlling the asterisks, controlling. What goes into this year being validated and not validated for for fans and for everyone who talks about basketball? So I do wonder if 1 through 16 would actually be beneficial this year. If you asked me this last offseason, I would have been all for it. Because I do think it creates more entertainment, 1 through 16. Because again, the only reason we have conferences, the only reason we have divisions in sports, is because of what travel used to be like back in the day. That's That's the only reason that we have these conferences and things like that. But now you, you can get anywhere you want to in a couple of hours, and with the benefits that teams have in traveling, it's not that strenuous anymore. But we won't get to test that theory out in this bubble environment. We would just be doing it for more entertainment value. And while I think, again, Oklahoma City and Miami is way more interesting and way more entertaining 
than Oklahoma City, Utah, it also creates more asterisks. You look at Milwaukee. They would now have to beat the Clippers and the Lakers to get to the finals to win the championship instead of just one or the other LA teams. One or the other. That's a different season altogether. That's something that you're not really preparing for. That's something none of these teams prepared for. Will this happen? I'm not sure. I think we're getting a little bit I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, uh, you know, as media members and people who you know want want something to talk about. I think now we're just starting to cling on to any crumb of a news story. You know, one guy hears one you know, front, front office member throw out this idea and we've now ran with it for eight minutes. So I'm not sure if the NBA is truly looking at this or not. Uh, but again, my personal preference, if you listen to yesterday's show, you would know that it's to keep everything the same. Keep the conferences. Keep the seating. No play-ins. Let's just play basketball and see what happens. Because everything you do past that, every play-in tournament you have, Every missed seeding you have, 1 through 16, it adds and adds and adds to that asterisk to where this championship is not viewed as the same level as other championships. And that's something you want to stay away from. You really want to stay away from that. If you're the NBA, if you're any sport, really. So I am interested in how this all unfolds, and I cannot wait to talk about all of this with Kevin Smith tomorrow. Again, the guy that's broken this news all over Twitter, all over social media. I mean, he was on this story the day after, you know, the the suspended season. I mean, he was on it. So I cannot wait to talk about all this with him. I also love talking about Built Bar. Built Bar is a phenomenal protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. I cannot get over how good these flavors are with Built Bar. Again, anything that says peanut butter, anything that that says peanut butter on it, just go ahead and buy it. I also love banana nut bread. That's my personal favorite, but you cannot go wrong with the peanut butter flavors because they're coated in chocolate and they'll taste just impeccable. BuiltBar.com is where you go to find these Built Bars. Use code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. Built Bars taste just like a candy bar. They're phenomenal. They'll fill you up if you want to use them as a meal in themselves, Uh, but also you can use them pre or post-workout to get all your protein in for the day, and they're only 110 calories. They're low in sugar, low in carbs, because that's a big thing. A lot of these protein bars have a ton of sugar, a ton of carbs in them, not Built Bar. Built Bar is the perfect protein bar. I promise you, it is the perfect protein bar. And I I, I didn't believe it at first, but they sent us a free sample. And everything that they said, that it tastes like a candy bar, that the flavors are impeccable, it's easy to get down, which if if you eat protein bars, you know that protein bars are dreadful to eat a bad aftertaste, a chalky feel in your mouth while you're eating it. You've just got to figure out a way to get it down. Not with Built Bar. Built Bar goes down smooth. They taste great. I cannot recommend Built Bars enough. I really can't. They are amazing. I've already bought another box myself after the free sample they sent us. Built Bar is incredible. Again, BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get $10 off your first order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So again, I wanted to talk about this Disney plan more so regarding the Thunder. Yesterday, we took a general NBA approach. Today, let's dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder. We already mentioned that in the 1-16 through 16 matchup, Oklahoma City would draw Miami, which again is a tough draw, and, and that is a, a tough series compared to what Utah would be, compared to what a lot of teams would be uh, in the West. Uh, but ultimately, I cannot really predict that series until we f- actually know. I don't want to spend all my time breaking down Oklahoma City-Miami if this is not even a conversation that's legitimately being had right now uh, within front offices and within the league. So I'll save that for once we know the fate of the postseason. Uh, But one thing we do know is that this league is going to start back and the Thunder have been laid off for a long time. And who on the Thunder benefits the most from this layoff? And I think that it's a tie. I think that you can go two ways with this. You can go Steven Adams or, or Chris Paul, both for the same reason. Both of these players have seen their bodies break down late in the year, the last couple of seasons, and late into the postseason. Both these players have been getting injured and not playing at the same level that they did earlier in the year. So you would assume having time off is going to help Steven Adams and and Chris Paul stay on the floor. So if you ask that question to most people who cover the team, they're going to give you Steven Adams or Chris Paul. And for good reason. Again, these are two guys who have shown you that in the postseason, late in the year, their bodies tend to break down. They're asked to do a ton throughout the regular season, and it's it's going to happen that their buyers are going to wear down as we get into postseason play. So this layoff is going to help them rejuvenate. I would give you an, another answer, a sneaky answer here, and that's Lou Dort. You look at what the Thunder have asked him to do. Uh, as an undrafted free agent, fresh out of college, and again, he, he had his story is incredible. We should spend a whole podcast breaking down Lou Dort because... Yeah, he was undrafted, but he had a ton of talent, and many people thought he could be a first-round guy, and he just fell completely out of the draft. So that's really interesting. Uh, but you look at what they've asked him to do on a two-way contract. When he started playing for the Thunder, getting rotational minutes for the Thunder, and becoming a starter for the Thunder, he's asked to defend the top guys. And no matter who you are, that is a tough ask. But for a rookie, that's almost impossible. But yet Dort has stood up to the challenge and he's played very well. He's played some great defense against some of the league's elite scores. However, when you're in high school, you're in college, you're used to playing like 30 games. And so you commonly hear the phrase rookie wall. Oh, he played very well, but he hit the rookie wall. And around March and around postseason time is when you start to hear that terminology. So getting this experience, getting this rest could also help a guy like Lou Dort, who's just been overwhelmed with information. So, you know, you, you, you're a rookie, you're trying to learn the playbook for Oklahoma City, you're trying to learn the defensive schemes for Oklahoma City, you're trying to learn the NBA lifestyle. Getting a reset like this could help, and then also getting to a place in Disney where you're secluded. I mean, this is it. All you've got to do is go to the game and go to the hotel. That's all you got to do. It's more simple than your day-to-day life. And players aren't going to like that. I'm just saying that it's a benefit for guys like Lou Dort who can just put everything to rest besides basketball, and it could make him play better on the floor. 
And again, you get to overcome that rookie wall within your rookie season, which is not something that any rookie has gotten to uh, gotten the benefit of uh, so far because no rookie has gotten a three-month layoff. So Lou Dort is a sneaky name for, for whenever you're asking the question, you know, what Thunder player is helped the most by this layoff? Of course, Adams and Paul are up there due to being veterans, due to having some injury concerns. But Lou Dort, you know, again, maneuvering and, and navigating through that rookie wall is important, especially if you're going to continue to ask him to guard the top guys, to guard a James Harden, to guard elite level scorers in the NBA. And that segues us to the next topic here. Will this be a true playoff experience for Dort and Baisley and Shea? Now, luckily for Shea, he got the playoffs last year. I mean, he got it in Oracle. He got it against the Warriors. He played very well. The Clippers played very well that series. He got it with Doc Rivers. So he's gotten playoff experience before. But a, but a very big key in this season while the team was winning when most people thought that they'd either sell off and tank or that they would finish about the ninth seed, 10th seed range, a big selling point was, hey, you know what? These young guys that, that, that could be in the rotation, that could be someone who you build around like a, like a Baisley and now a Lou Dort, they're going to be getting experience in the postseason, which is going to be valuable down the line whenever they do put a team around them to compete again, to contend again. Is this going to be a true playoff experience? You're not going to face the hostile environment. You're not going to face, you know, the travel and the and the nitty gritty of the postseason. You know, going to somewhere like Utah where they just eat you alive. The, the crowd does. Playing in front of Oklahoma City's crowd, where you know Bill Simmons talks about this a lot that he's talked to Thunder players from that first run where the crowd was so electric it almost drained the home team. You were just you felt the pressure of every moment even though they're on your side. And that's the fan base Oklahoma City has. It's very much a football fan base that that everything, every possession, every dribble is make or break in the postseason for Oklahoma City. Even at home, that, that's how the fans treat it. And it makes for an incredible atmosphere. It makes for wildly considered the toughest place to play in the NBA. It's amazing. But they don't get that this year. They get to play it in Orlando. And I think that we'll still see a different level of play, a different intensity level on the court for these guys in the postseason. Because at the end of the day, no matter what you or I think about the validation that will come from this championship, those players still know that a ring is on the line. I would say on the back of the basketball card, but by the time these players retire, it's going to be strictly on their basketball reference page. They know that next to their player picture and next to their player information on the right-hand side of the computer, you're going to see X championship, you know, whatever number of championship that they earned this year. You're going to see that they were the 2020 NBA champions. So, the players are going to play with the same intensity and passion that they play for every postseason. Because at the end of the day, you can't take it away from them. You can debate it from now until the end of the world. We can, de- we can debate the 2020 NBA Finals champion. But you cannot take it away from those players. So on the court, the intensity will be there. The experience will be there. Uh, but there is a ton of the playoffs that happen off the court that, that they will not get the full effect from which we can debate all day long how much that actually matters. 
how much that actually impacts them in 2023 and in 2024 when this team is ready to actually contend again. Uh, But it is something to monitor as we move forward. And you go into that playoff atmosphere and you can shift it the other way as a positive for Oklahoma City. Chris Paul is a guy who in the big moments in the postseason in L.A. and sometimes in Houston, he doesn't play his best. When the crowd gets into it, when the moment gets big, you see Chris Paul at times shrink, and he's he is a Hall of Famer. He is one of the best point guards I've ever seen play the game. But the fact of the matter is, in the postseason at times, he doesn't play very well. With no crowd, with being in Disney World, with all the fluff and the pomp and circumstance gone, does he play even better? Is it just another game for him? Does the game slow down in the postseason? And do we see Chris Paul elevate his game to a new height in the postseason, plus with the layoff and the rest? I don't know. We might. And again, Chris Paul is not a terrible playoff player by any means, but he has struggled at times in the postseason. And you take away the novelty of the postseason, you tell him to go play basketball in an empty gym, you could see an even better Chris Paul when these games actually matter. So I wrote this question before we had the the report today of teams going 1-16 through and things like that, but what would be the best possible playoff matchup for Oklahoma City? Because in my opinion, and again, ever since this plan came out, we've been getting reports about everything under the sun. 70 games, 72 games, 76 games, straight to the postseason, a play-in tournament, a, a, a bye for the first two seats. We've been getting everything, no conferences. We've been getting every possible scenario here. Uh, so, but I truly believe whenever the dust settles, we will see about five to six regular season games, however many that each team needs to get to 70. They'll get the 70, get the regional TV money, and then the playoffs will ensue. So I don't think that we'll go straight to the postseason. So what would be the best postseason matchup for me if you're if you're just talking strictly about winning? And again, as Thunder fans, we've been we've been bitten by this before. Look at last year, whenever everyone, including myself, was celebrating the fact that Oklahoma City got the sixth seed, was celebrating the fact that they were going to go play Portland. And then Portland put it on you. But you look at Utah, and to me, That's your best chance to advance. That's your best chance to get out of that first round is by playing Utah. I don't like Utah's offense. I don't like the way Rudy looked before the suspension. He looked disengaged offensively, and it translated a little bit to his defensive side of the floor as well. I don't think Utah is going to make it out of the first round. Depending on the matchup, of course, but I don't think Utah in most matchups will make it out of the first round. If you want the best story, of course it's Houston. You have Russ going up against the Thunder. You have Chris Paul going up against the Rockets. It would be a shame that this game could not be played in Houston and in Oklahoma City. It would be played in an empty gym in Disney World. That would be the, that would be the only downfall. But that's the best storyline. You have the small ball Rockets going up against Stephen Adams and the three-guard lineup of Oklahoma City. How does that all unfold? But in terms of strictly winning... Give me Utah. If I just want to have content and a storyline to follow, give me Houston. I think those are your two best bets. But you can let me know what you think the best option is for the postseason for Oklahoma City on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. 
And along those same lines is should the Thunder tank these last few games for, for the draft pick? Again, the Thunder, if we went to 70 games, would have six to make up. So they'd have six games to play in the regular season before they got to the postseason. And they owe their draft pick to Philadelphia. However, that draft pick is 1 through 20 protected. So if they could f- figure out a way to fall in the standings to 20 or worse, then you get your pick back. And then you also get the Denver pick, uh, which will finish about 25th, somewhere in there. So, honestly, as I mentioned yesterday briefly, you don't just go out there and try to tank these few regular season games. You need to get Chris Paul back into game shape. You need to get Steven Adams back into game shape. You need to get these young guys back into playing basketball. You look at Gallinari, who's a sharp shooter. I wonder how shooters perform, how strictly shooters perform after this layoff. Are they in the groove? Are they back into it quickly? You need to get him ready. You need to be focusing on getting out of the first round, playing a good playoff series. And if you lose a couple games and you get your pick back, that's great. But the intent going in should not be, hey, let's just throw these games. Let's just throw them. To me, you go into these games and you play basketball. If you lose, you lose. If you win, you win. You just play basketball the normal way with your normal team, with your normal rotations. You just play your brand of basketball and let the chips fall where they may. You should also go check out our good friends over at Blinkist. It's one of the most useful apps on my phone. Blinkist is very unique. It can work on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best and key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and allows you to listen to them or read them in just 15 minutes. I throw Blinkist on while I'm getting some work done at my desk and I want to get to know some new information. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books, all at one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist is giving our audience a very special offer. Go to Blinkist.com NBA and try it for free for the first seven days and save 25% off your subscription. That's Blinkist.com NBA to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your subscription. Again, it's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash NBA. Start your free seven-day trial and save 25% off your subscription. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So I want to end this show with a ton of burning questions about the Thunder and this Disney World plan. The first one being is what we talked about in the prior segment, how do young guys plays with how do young guys play without the hostile environment? such as a Utah or, or any road environment in the postseason? Do they play a lot better? Do they play the same that they would have otherwise? We're never going to really get to measure this 
aspect of this. Uh, but I do think that, like with Chris Paul, you're just playing basketball in this scenario. It's an empty gym. You're just playing basketball. There's no outside force that really impacts the way you play in the sense of a crowd uh, or travel or things like that. So I think that the young guys will see an uptick in production uh, around the league, not just in Oklahoma City. Uh, and then another question is about Darius Baisley. Will he return to the rotation? I think that he will, especially given the fact that I think we're heading towards regular season games. Uh, so I think that you'll work him back in in the regular season, and then you'll work him into the rotation for the postseason. Again, Baisley did not pop off the charts in the stat sheet or you know even in highlight packages for his rookie season, but he was an important role piece for the Thunder whenever he was healthy, and I think that working him back in there provides some much-needed depth for the Thunder. And then the biggest question in all of this is about Andre Robertson, and it's been the biggest question for the last three years of just when is he going to play, can he play, what's the situation on Andre? Obviously, none of us know what's truly going on with Andre Robertson. He went on a podcast with Colorado, uh, the University of Colorado, the men's basketball team. And he said, hey, before we got suspended this season, I was fixing to play G League games and work back into shape and then play in the postseason. How has his rehab gone in quarantine? Has he been able to keep up that pace? Has he been able to keep rehabbing and keep being in shape and keep being basketball ready? And is the five regular season games enough? You know, ramping up for the postseason is going to be tough. Are those five regular season games, are they going to be enough for him to want to take the floor? And I think that we have to be honest with ourselves about Andre Robertson. It's exciting um, to look at this and say, hey, the Thunder are going to add an elite defender, you know, to this this lineup. They're going to add someone who can shut down uh, a James Harden, who can shut down a Donovan Mitchell, who can shut down a Russell Westbrook, who can shut down... You know, insert elite score here. But let's be honest. He hasn't played in years. It's a devastating injury that seemingly has had multiple setbacks. And defense is predicated on explosiveness, lateral quickness, and things of that nature. It is, I think, the right way to think about this is he's going to take a step back. He's not going to be elite. He's not going to snap his fingers and be a defensive player of the year candidate as he once was. I don't think we see Andre Robertson return this year in general. And if he does, I don't think that we see him return to that elite form. Is he still going to be a good defender? Honestly, you, he has to be to be on the floor. If he's not a good defender, he, ha- he cannot be on the floor. That's all he provides. Is he going to be elite? I don't think so. I don't think that he can be elite this season. And there are so many of you out there that love Andre and, and, and love what he brings to the table. Uh, And I respect that. He's a great player defensively. He's a a great person by all accounts. But we have to be realistic in looking at this. He hasn't played in years. He's had knee setbacks. He's had devastating knee injuries. And we aren't even sure if what he told the University of Colorado was true about how he was going to play in the G League, how he was going to play in the postseason. This is the same guy that told the media he was a full go during media days. And then within two days... He's back in sideline, never played a preseason game at all. So how has, his, how has his rehab been in quarantine? I really wonder that. And the bottom line is, even if he can step on the floor, he's going to at least need to be a good defender. So let's not get this mixed up with what I'm saying here. I'm not saying he's going to be terrible defensively, but he's going to at least have to be a good defender to bring anything to the table. 
However, that next step up to being an elite defender, I don't see that happening for Andre this year. I really don't. And I don't know, honestly, if we're ever going to see that again from Andre, given his injury history. So is good Andre that much better than Lou Dort? Whenever you consider the rotation and the chemistry and the play on the court that the Thunder had before Andre. Because as as good as he is defensively, he adds nothing to you offensively. And I think that he really hurts the flow of this offense. And for the first time in Oklahoma City history, you can say those two words together, flow and offense. Do you really want to put something in the fire that could mess with that? Something in the fray that could really disrupt that? So the last two questions are something I find interesting, and I'm sure that most of you will as well. Uh, But the first one is just the desperate teams. Are there going to be desperate teams this year? Because every year, especially in a season like this one where the 2020 free agency class does not look appealing, there's not a lot of guys in in this class coming up that you want to shell out money for. So when teams lose in the postseason, that typically means, hey, they get desperate, they want to change it up, they want to blow up their team, they want to add new pieces, they want to just create something new. They get desperate after they lose. And oftentimes it ends with them trading away too much for too little in return, but it's just something different than what they had. And that is where I think Chris Paul could have had a ton of value with the way he was playing prior to the season ending and what he could have done in the postseason. If you see a team like Philadelphia or Miami uh, or any of these teams have a tough break in the postseason, and they want to make this huge splash, you could see them value Chris Paul more. Are we still going to get those desperate teams? Are we still going to get those teams that think they're one piece away, that they're Chris Paul away? We can talk about Chris Paul's trade value until the end of time on this podcast. Uh, But that is something I think to monitor is just how do teams view this playoffs? Are they going to view it and say, yeah, you know, we we had a disappointing uh, relative to our expectations, a disappointing postseason, uh, but it was it was the layoff and it was the Disney World and it was this and that. It wasn't our players, it wasn't our team. So let's keep the team together. Because I really think that let's say let's take Denver for example. If Jamal Murray and, and Jokic went into this postseason, a normal postseason, and didn't perform, you remember last year they almost lost to the, to the Spurs in the first round. If they don't mesh well in the postseason, that game does not translate to the postseason. If that happened again in a normal circumstance, they could be a team that would have been desperate this time of year if we played out the season normally. So I do wonder how teams will be desperate or if they will be desperate uh, after losing the postseason this year, or are they going to use the whole Disneyland excuse, the Disney World excuse? And then just number two, what if the Thunder win a title? Which we can all agree is not likely. I think that, again, this is the asterisk. I think if the Lakers or the Bucks or the Clippers or the Raptors, if they win the title, that asterisk is in about size three font. Hey, by the way, they won the title, but everyone played in Disney World. And for them, it's almost, you know, a positive for them because, yeah, you know, they didn't even get home court, which they worked so hard for. You didn't have to go to Staples. You didn't have to go to Milwaukee. You didn't have to go to Toronto. You had to play him in an empty gym, so so everyone got a fair shake at him. If the Thunder win the title or anyone like that, past like the four seed, you know, well, past like the three seed, I'd really say, but 
If any team like the Thunder, who's not expected to win a championship, the Mavericks win it, the Heat win it, the Sixers win it, if any team like that wins it, I do think that that the asterisk gets to size like 12 or 14 font. Where it's like, yeah, look at this. They made that magical run, but they had all these outside factors that, that, that really went into that, that really played into them getting to that championship. So I don't think that the Thunder won the title. I don't think that any team outside of, the, again, that top elite company of the Raptors, Celtics maybe, Bucks, Clippers, Lakers, I don't think that anyone outside of that realm of teams are going to win the championship this year. Uh, but whenever we talk about does this year have an asterisk, as I said yesterday, I think that it really depends on who wins. Who wins that championship? That would decide how valid it is. So again, yesterday we broke down this entire plan and how it relates to the entire NBA. Today we broke down how it relates to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And tomorrow we will have the man that broke the news himself on this show. Keith Smith will join us to talk all about the Disney World plan, the latest information that he is hearing, and also more stuff about the Thunder involved as well, the salary cap and things like that. Keith is great. You're going to want to tune in for that episode. It's going to be fantastic. I can promise you that right now. But that concludes this episode of Locked on Thunder. Go check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Be good and be good to one another. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Locked on Thunder podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.